We worship you, Lord. We ask, Lord, for these last few minutes we have together, God, that you would open our eyes and open our ears, God, your word. I pray, Father, that we would go forth from this place filled with the Holy Spirit and hope, Lord. I'm asking for revelation from heaven now for each one of us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me take the last few minutes here and unpack something from my heart that's a a continuation of what I said last week. If you could go to Proverbs uh, chapter uh, 28, please. Proverbs chapter 28. For those of you who weren't here last week, I, I sewed in a word about authority, the authority that Jesus walked in that was startling to all the people because he lived and acted and taught and demonstrated his power in such a way that was different from the scribes and the Pharisees who were parroting the law. They were mimicking the words, but they had no real power inside. And if you remember last week, I said the first demonstration of Jesus' authority was telling the enemy to do what? Shut his mouth. Be quiet, Jesus says. And so Jesus demonstrated authority from heaven by ruling and reigning as Adam was called to do on the earth and obviously failed to do. And we talked about the legal ramifications of what Adam got from God in Psalms 115. All all the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. And then Adam signed as the leaseholder for the earth. He signed the title of the earth over to Satan. Well, Satan is called the prince of this world, the authority, the power of the air. He's called the little G God of this age, as we all know. And then Jesus came on the scene, born of man, born under the law, and he lived the perfect life we could not live. And he defeated death and Satan and sin on the cross so that then he could say at the end of his ministry in Matthew 28, all authority now in heaven and earth has been given to me. And go therefore and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So now all the authority that we lost in the garden has been given back to us in a location called Christ Jesus. No longer in ourselves, it is safe and secure. And I talked about last week, I finished with a book uh, by Watchman Nee called Sit, Walk, Stand, where he talks about in Ephesians, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms so that we might learn from that place of being seated to walk in authority, in our power, in a way that's pleasing to him so that the end of the book of Ephesians in chapter six, we can stand against the enemy. We talked about how the Lord has given us perfect victory in Christ Jesus And Satan's goal is not so much to get you and me to sin as to get us to be moved from the mountaintop of perfect victory where we're standing in Christ Jesus. The circumstances, the bad report, the opportunity to sin comes so that we might be moved off the ground of perfect victory. Then it becomes very easy to sin. So we talked about that last week. And this week, I just want to say to you, The number one thing in my life, and maybe you're experiencing this, that keeps me from walking in the authority that Jesus won for me, the number one thing that keeps me from walking in that 
is shame and condemnation. Because condemnation literally means powerlessness. The woman caught in adultery in the act that was brought to Jesus, and they were about to stone her. And Jesus, remember the story, he writes in the sand. And then they start to leave one by one after he says, let you who have no sin be the first one to cast the stone. They all leave and he looks at this woman in her weakness and he says, where are those who have condemned you? And she says, they're not here. They're not here anymore. They're gone. It's just you. She saw him. Her eyes got cleared from all the other voices and the accusations, even religious leaders. And she said, they're all gone. And Jesus, the only one that mattered in that moment, looked at her and he said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Because she was powerless to defeat her sin. She couldn't stop her lusting. She couldn't stop her sexual immorality. And she was condemned. She knew it. The law told her what she deserved. Stoning. And so she hid. She had no authority. But Jesus came and lifted off that condemnation from her. Which gave her then the power to walk in victory over that sin. So the enemy has some things on you. And he has some things on me. Similar to the mafia boss. You've done some deals with. He's like, now I got you. If you cross this line, if you wrap me out, there will be hell to pay. Literally. The reason the enemy has some things on you and on me is because we keep them hidden to ourselves. Whatever we keep to ourselves, the enemy has on you. Listen, whatever you conceal, whatever you push down is legal right for the enemy to hammer you. You've given him legal right to hammer you over and over. And also, you've made yourself powerless to fight against the very thing that you're sick and tired of and ashamed of. You've made yourself powerless because you've chosen to conceal like the woman caught in adultery. So Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever hides or covers like a cloak for protection their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces or forsakes them finds mercy. Whoever, whoever it is, hides and covers their sins will not, and the word prosper means advance mightily, to make progress, to succeed, to be profitable. Has anyone ever regretted the fact that you're not making progress in your Christian life? Your walk with the Lord. I'm not successful. I'm not advancing mightily. I'm cowering back. Well, the one who conceals their sins is stuck. They're literally hamstrung in their walk. But the one who confesses them, 
literally who, who actually forsakes them, throws them away, gets them up and out of his heart, forsakes them, and turns the other direction is the one who finds, obtains, receives mercy. But this is not just like mercy, like I deserve jail and the judge says, okay, I'm gonna give you mercy, you're free to go. It's not just like that. This mercy here unpacks the father's heart. This is when your kid has been so bad, your teenager has lived a lifestyle of lying and your teenager has lived a lifestyle of immorality and you've prayed your guts out for them and they've done things that hurt you. They've offended you. They've really hurt your heart as a parent. And then that teenager of yours turns. They see the light and they repent and they come back and they say, Mama, Daddy, I'm sorry. It's that type of mercy where you're like, come to me. Let me hug you. Let me pour out the oil and wine. Let's throw a party. Let's get you the robe and the sandals. Come on, come. Let me just weep on your neck. That's mercy. That's what he's talking about here. It's tender and affectionate mercy. It's the love of a father and a mother for a wayward child who's come back home. Because the prodigal son had no authority as a son in the father's house. He was okay coming back to live as a slave. He was okay with that. Consequently, the older son, the older brother, had no authority as a son in the father's house. He was okay to live like a hired hand. All these years I've slaved for you, didn't even give me a goat. He didn't know how to open up his daddy's refrigerator and take whatever he wanted out. But one of them in the story confessed his sins and he forsook his sins and he got all kinds of mercy from the Lord, from his father. And notice how weak he was in doing it. The only reason he came back was because his tummy was hurting. The only reason he came back is because he didn't like sleep in the cold. And the Lord accepted that. Even if the only reason you want to get rid of the junk that's plaguing you is because you're like, I'm tired of this. It hurts me. Do it. The Lord will honor even our weak confessions. And we will learn to stand before the enemy. But there's two options. There is covering your sin, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden with the fig leaves. And then there's Psalms 32. Look at Psalms 32 with me. There's another option. Happy or blessed. Psalms 32 verse one. Happy or blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit there is no hiding. There's no deceit anymore. Adam and Eve covered their sins. They knew what they deserved with fig leaves. The Lord offered another option for covering. Skin of another living being that he had to kill and he put skin over their skin. That was the covering that was offered. Blessed is the man who chooses that covering, the covering of the blood of Jesus, who is our perfect sacrifice, 
The one who covers his own sins with fig leaves and pushes it down and hides will never prosper. But blessed and happy is the one who's chosen the Lord's covering for them, in whose spirit is no deceit. Why was David a man after God's own heart? He was a murdering, adulterer. He did the census. By the way, who else in the Bible had a rough past? Everybody in the Bible had a rough past, it seems. Moses, the murderer. Abraham, the lying manipulator. David, murdering adulterer. Peter, the weak, deserting coward. Paul, the murderer, the chief of sinners. The Bible doesn't pull any punches. The Bible is horrible at PR. These are rough folks, prostitutes, all over the place. It's almost as if the Lord is saying, in your weakness, my strength is made manifest and glorified. In your weakness, I am strong. I actually prefer y'all mess ups because when you come back to me in contrition, I get all of the glory from your life as a trophy of grace. What if the skeletons in your closet were made to put on flesh and bones and they're made to speak the glory of the Lord? What if the pile of all of the crap of your mistakes was meant to be the mountain you stood on and said, the Lord has been good to me. He's been faithful. What if your brokenness is where the perfume leaks out? Talking to Dick the other night. What is our stain now becomes our song. How can a pornography addict stand up here to you and tell you the gospel? How can a former addict like me stand up here and say, he saved me and he washed me clean. I no longer have to do that. Why would the Lord choose me to do that? Because he gets all the glory. I get none of it. I just said yes to him and he gave me the strength like that woman caught in adultery to overcome my sin. In 2009, I was set free. Never looked back, praise God. By his grace. The very thing you think disqualifies you is the very thing the Lord wants you to proclaim so that you might receive mercy and healing and set others free. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. Do not hide your sin. It's a promise. You will not prosper. Either God's a liar or you're gonna get away with it. We're all about to be standing in front of the host of heaven, billions of saints and angels, and God's gonna expose us 100% completely on the day of judgment. Everything's going to come to light. You either deal with it now on this side where you get mercy and rewards and bring other people into freedom, or you can deal with it then. It's up to you. And child of God, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about the thing that you know, this is holding me back. I gotta get this out of my heart. The Lord has freedom for us in this next season. Finish with a quick story and then we'll be done. Children of Israel coming out of the desert, Coming into the promised land, they had to be full of faith. It was a new season for them. 
They walk around the walls of Jericho by faith. They did what we did here. They shouted. Everybody was on the same page. There was so much unity in the camp. There was so much authority and power. They had been delivered from the old ways. Their ancestors, their parents died in the wilderness. And now they were hitting it, man. They were walking in confidence. The Lord said, don't take any of the treasures from Jericho. Leave it all there. They conquer Jericho. Then they go up against Ai. Small, little, tiny town. No big walls around them. The leaders, the commanders tell Joshua, don't even send the whole army. Send like 3,000 guys. Cakewalk. Because we have got it figured out. So they send 3,000 guys up there. Routed. Ai completely destroys them. They come back and they're weeping to Joshua. Joshua falls on his face before the Lord. Now that's it. We thought we had it figured out. Now all the nations are going to realize we're weak sauce. We're done for. The Lord says to Joshua, get up off your face. Stop crying. Then he says this phrase in Joshua 7. You have hidden things in your camp. Someone took some of the treasure devoted for destruction in Jericho and hid it under their tent. That is why you are unable to stand in front of your enemies. Go, don't get a new battle plan. Don't work real hard and take 6,000 guys instead of 3,000 guys. Go and destroy that which was devoted to destruction and expose what was hidden. So they say, okay, search us, God, and know us. And they called each tribe and each clan and each leader of the clan, and they get down to, rhymes with bacon, Aiken. <laughs> Who got his bacon toasted? And they said, tell the truth. Tell the truth, Aiken. They look at him, tell the truth. And he breaks down. He's like, I did it. I took the golden bar. I took the robe, the silver. I hid it under my tent. It's me. And they said, we got to deal with this right now. And they take him into the valley of Achor, which means trouble. And they put him to death. They destroy it. Afterwards, they go out and they completely rout Ai. And guess what they get to take away from Ai? All the spoils. Everything that they could not take out of Jericho was waiting for them in Ai. It was already there. The Lord says, don't take anything out of Jericho. All the gold, all the silver, all the animals, livestock. Don't take that. He wanted to test their obedience because he knew there was a big lottery ticket waiting for them in the next town. And they decided to cut a corner and hide something for themselves. But see this, when we confess and forsake our sins, the Lord just can't help himself. He just pours it out. He just pours out. What if the breakthrough you've been waiting on was simply you getting rid of something that's hidden inside of you? So I wanna plead with you today. If you're having trouble walking in your authority, Search your heart. Let the Lord search your heart and bring to mind anything that needs to get out, any bitterness, unforgiveness, hidden sin, whatever it is, and let that be your victory song in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the freedom that you've given us in Jesus' name and that there is now no more condemnation for those in Christ Jesus.
I'm asking, Father, for no hidden sin. Lord, in whose heart is no deceit, may that be said of us, Lord. Clean hands, pure hearts, God. We want to walk close to your heart in this next season. We pray that you would accomplish that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen.